1: Watch the best baseball highlights and look ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At Bat is your all in one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month.
3: Deep left field, it's gonna go! Alvarez ties the game!
1: Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademark used with permission.
3: This is Danny and Dusty. It's not your problem, Doc. You don't have to mix up in this. That is
4: a hell of a thing for you to say to
3: me. With Danny Meringue and Dusty, the fan man Hera. Go ahead. Go ahead, skin it.
4: Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens.
3: Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app
1: and 1080. I'm your huckleberry. The fan. All
5: right, hour number three, Danny and Dusty with you on this Thursday. Coming up this hour, we'll talk... Thursday night football we got to get our picks in as well as we got a little fighting going on leading up to Thursday night football our picks will come next Uh, but right now we bring on the sports director for KSL down in Salt Lake City covers the Utah Utes uh, which are humming right along after an opening of the season with the setback down in the swamp against Florida the 12th ranked Utes welcome in Oregon State for an 11 a.m. kick on the Pac-12 network Josh thanks for taking a few minutes for us man how you doing.
4: I'm doing well. It's good to be here.
5: You know, this has been one of those years where, I mean, it's kind of becoming
4: uh,
5: frustratingly all too common for Utah. The start is a little bit slow, but as the season progresses and you get into the month of October, it's one of the scariest teams in all of college football. Uh, What have you seen in the growth from this team that had that setback uh, on the goal line down at Florida to where they are now uh, entering week two of conference play?
4: Yeah, I think it's a team that's playing much more like themselves. Where they, you know, they're not getting a little too excited. They're not uh, kind of letting the moment of the game get to them. Uh, that first game, I mean, they spent a whole year basically preparing for that. You're going down to SEC country, which doesn't really happen that often for Pac-12 teams. Uh, you know, they they overpursued. They knew they had a dual threat quarterback that was expected to be a Heisman contender. And, you know, and I think they kind of just let their their assignments kind of go out the window and, and just tried to do too much. But you know, since then, I think Utah's really kind of honed in. It's been easier that way since their schedule has has, has eased up. Um, but they really uh, honed in on on just being assignment sound, doing whatever they need to do to be able to develop. Um, and plus, quite honestly, their their freshman uh, linebacker and and some of the more experienced guys in the defense, you know, they're they're developing, and you're starting to see them feel more comfortable back there and starting to to really kind of hit their stride. I know it's only four weeks into the season, but. I think that's kind of where Utah's at right now. Is they're they're finally kind of getting into where they need to be and and, and really just hitting that stride of, of just playing comfortable football and, and not letting other outside influences impact them.
3: Well, before we dive into the, the Utah Oregon State uh, specifics, I, w- I want to know because locally, the belief around Oregon State is that they're they're for real, especially after kind of uh, holding their own, so to speak, against USC. Uh, and they have another measurement game here against Utah. What is the, the kind of regional outlook on Oregon State after that performance against USC? Uh, obviously, the, the, there's the game from last year where Oregon State, and I mean, they they handled Utah, so they're not going to come in uh, as an unknown quantity. But where are they kind of viewed, and, and where has Whittingham kind of pegged this team uh, nationally or, with, or within the conference?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think he has a lot of respect for Oregon State. Uh, I, I think ever since ever since Jonathan Smith took over, uh, you can see that, the, you know, the program's been on the rise and they've been able to have the success that, that obviously many in Corvallis want to see. But I think you're seeing that in the conference as well. You know, and I think nothing did it more beneficial for Oregon State than beating Utah last year, right? I think it was the one loss that Utah had in conference play last year. Everything was seemingly going well. You know, they didn't I, – I think a lot of people expected them to go up to Corvallis, roll over the Beavers, and, and just kind of go on their way. And, it, it, you know, Utah didn't play as well as they, they needed to, and a lot of that is to credit Oregon State. Uh, their physical team, you know, they got after it. Uh, in a lot of respect, Kyle kind of sees this team as, as kind of being similar to the way his team plays, right? There's a lot of collar type mentality in this where these two teams can just kind of go to battle. And I think as a result of that, I think you're starting to see Oregon State kind of really rise in, in terms of how Utah prepares for them. Now, I think a lot of that really does have to do with how last year played out for them. Utah felt like it it, it really kind of blew the opportunity there and, and didn't do what it needed to do to be able to come out with a win. So, if anything, that gives you a lot more respect in Utah's eyes, right, It's just because they want to be able to get this win. And so it's not one of those games that they're going to gloss over. It's not going to be those things where you're looking ahead to somebody else, So at least from a regional standpoint and kind of in this area, Oregon State very much so has their attention. Everybody kind of has been paying attention to them. They see how well they've been able to build the program up there and are excited for this game, honestly. They really are.
5: We're talking with Josh Furlong. He covers Utah for KSL.com down in Salt Lake City. You know, when I think of Utah football, I also think of the musts, and it's usually night games and that student section being so rowdy um, during the night games, do they wake up early because this is going to be an eleven o'clock a, eleven a m kick on the west coast noon kick uh, in salt lake city? Is it going to be environment as we're usually as we 're used to from the must the student section
4: yeah I mean I think it 'll have some impact right i think they 're going to show up they 're excited for this game it 's homecoming for whatever that means to people i don 't know if that still means much to anybody anymore um, but i I think that student section has been well, this year they've already had an, an afternoon game and they they filled out that section fairly well. So I, you know, I think based on that past precedent, precedent, I think they you know will will fill the stadium and, and be able to do what they need to. But but you're right. I mean, the electric atmosphere of this, of, of having this as a night game where you know the, the, it's dark and you've got it just this, this rapid fan base that that really wants to get after a team. Uh, I, I do think you're going to lose some of that, and it's going to kind of negate maybe some of the, the home field advantage that Utah could have with that mouse, uh, student section. Um, but, I, but I think they're going to show up. I think they're going to be loud. They, they've been far better this year than they were last year. I don't know if it was just maybe COVID or, or something else. They didn't really fill out that section very well. This year they seem to be doing much better. So I think you're at least going to see the students show up in a way that, that should bring the noise and, and kind of keep it still an electric environment.
3: With Utah obviously losing that, that game down in the swamp at the start of the season, did that change kind of the perception internally about what any goals were or was it that it was a misstep and kind of that's they need to rebound beyond that if they basically win out, they can still be where they want to be?
4: Yeah, I don't think it necessarily changed their goals. I mean, I don't think there was anybody really actively talking about uh, playoffs or anything that way. Uh, and, and the reality is is everything else is still on the table, right? pac world championship, maybe going back to a Rose Bowl. So I don't, I don't think that changed their mentality. If anything, what it did is it calmed them down, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. coming into that game, it's not like they were, um, you know, talking so much about that game or, or really trying to do it. But, you know, you're human, right? You, you're excited for that game, and, and the emotions kind of get to you, especially with nine months of preparing for that, especially with the expectations of coming on as a number-seventh-ranked team in the country. A lot of people are expecting Utah to really going to be the flag bearer for the Pac-12 after really missing the playoffs for, for the last few years. So I think now that, that that's gone, I think that they, they've been able to breathe a little bit more, kind of get into their game a little bit. Uh, I, I still think they all feel like they have uh, all the expectations and all their goals still in place. Sure, they missed that opportunity, and you'll hear them talk about that. But I think it was more of a, a good week one reset for them and their mentality than than anything else.
5: You know, one of the most incredible stats in college football this year is that 52% of the yards uh, passing come from tight ends uh, on the receiving end of those. And Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy, they are still giving Oregon fans nightmares from what they did to them a year ago. Um, But with Keithy out for for the year with injury, Thomas Yasmin just comes right in, and he has a 72-yard touchdown against Arizona State last week. How much is this offense affected, though, without Keithy, who's, who's the do-it-all tight end where he can block and be such a dynamic pass catcher?
3: Cam Rising, uh, he stubbed his toe a little bit against Florida, but others, uh, outside of that, he's been spectacular this season. Uh, he's right up there in the leaders in passing yards in the, in the conference. Uh, he's second in the conference in total touchdown passes. His completion percentage is up there. His quarterback rating is up there. He's run for over 100 yards. He's been phenomenal, and he's probably not getting the love that he should be. But when you're taking a look at uh, what Oregon State was able to do to USC, and, and, and USC's offensive line has had a little bit of struggles. Uh, they've had some inconsistencies at the tackle positions where Utah really hasn't. But do you, do you look at this game as that kind of – being one of the defining factors of this game is if is, if Oregon State can get home like they did against USC, they they uh, pressured Caleb Williams eleven times, sacked him once. Um, is that a, a concern or a decisive factor uh, in the in this Utah Oregon State matchup for you?
4: I, I think so. I mean, I think to to a lot of extent, they you know, what what Florida did that was uh, successful was they set up Cam Rising, they made him feel uncomfortable. You know, you have bigger bodies down in the SEC, and they're coming at you fast. Uh, that really uh, didn't let Cam go through his progressions or kind of get into a comfortable feel until maybe the second half. And then they started getting it, but by by then it was kind of a little too, little too late. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I see Oregon State here, right? If they can really put pressure on Cam Rising, what is he able to be able to be comfortable? He's got his home crowd with him, so that's going to be a little bit different and help him. But I think he has to be the type of quarterback to take the next level. He has to go through those progressions, right? He has to feel comfortable there, knowing that his offensive line will protect him. And, and they've done a phenomenal job this year, probably better than we were expecting. But I think he has to be able to kind of control that offense. And as long as Cam Rising is calm and selected and is able to kind of go through what he needs to do, I think Utah's offense would be fine, even if Oregon State is dialing at the blitzes and they're really getting into that backfield. You know they need Cam to kind of be that calming force, and and the times when he's not, that's when that offense sputters, right? You're, you've seen it in a few games earlier this season with San Diego State. They got sped up and they they were missing reads, and you know they weren't in sync, and they weren't able to do these these things that you've seen Cam Rising do since he he got the start last year. And so I think that's one of those areas where as long as they can keep him. Um, you know, calm and collected. I think Utah is going to be fine offensively. That doesn't mean that they're going to win or that they're going to be able to have a ton of success in the passing game. But I think that's kind of the, the where it starts. So him and his relationship with his offensive line.
5: Josh Furlong. He covers the Utah Utes for KSL dot uh, com down in Salt Lake City. He is also the sports director down there. Uh, does a great job on all thing Utes. Give him a follow at JFurKSL. On Twitter, you know, there's one thing that you got to ask um, Cam Rising before we let you go. you got to ask Cam Rising if he's seen uh, the movie Point, Point Break. Break yet. Because he told us at Pac-12 Media Day he wants to be an FBI agent. And he has not seen the movie Point Break where Johnny Utah <laughs> is a former quarterback who joins, <laughs> it, joins the FBI. You, you have to get him on that if he hasn't already.
4: I, I will definitely ask him about that. We'll see if he'll answer. He, he might shy away from that one. We'll see. <laughs> All right. You thanks. can blame
3: it on us.
5: Yeah, thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Will do. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, Josh Furlong from KSL.com. I still I, – that's amazing
3: to the me. The blank reaction that we got from him. Like he had no – Johnny Utah, yeah. FBI agent. Yeah. Like, I, like he he said it with the most sincerity. Like yeah. I want to be an FBI agent. You and I look at each other like ah!
5: – Quarterback at Utah. And he's like <laughs> – like we talked to him when we got off the air with him, and he's like, "Dude, no, I love Keanu Reeves. Like, I love." And I'm like, "You haven't seen Point Break? I Damn. am an FBI agent. <laughs>
0: yeah, right he, there. He actually
3: didn't know about the Keanu Reeves Point Break. He knew uh, about the new one.
2: Yep, yep. We got it. kids
3: these days. Yes, he was. It was. It was very much a kids these days.
2: <sighs> yeah, yeah. But
5: uh, Cam Rising, man, he's one hell of a he's one hell of a player, and he is smart as a whip. And that's one of the things that I love about Utah, and you see this is exactly, if Jonathan Smith had his druthers, he would have an identical program to Utah, and he's getting there slowly but surely. You have to establish that culture, and it takes years. I mean, heck, we're looking at Kyle Whittingham. He's been at Utah for, I don't know, I think it's about 16 years now. It takes so much time to institute that culture and continue to build it, and a smart, physical football team you're seeing it on both sides when you have utah and oregon state this weekend 11 o'clock kick i'm excited for that one that's gonna be a fun one uh for the bees and utes
3: yeah no i'm 100 percent in on that game
5: all right we got to get our picks in uh we have tweeted them out uh or, or we'll be doing shortly at danny and dusty on social media listener picks we got to get those in um and listeners are in the driver's seat danny and dusty on the fan Danny and Dusty on the Fan. We are learning a lot in these first few weeks of the NFL season. One of them is that Jeffrey Rust is not built for gambling. Nope. The ebbs and flows. I'm a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> of betting is not. Oh God, is not a recipe. For sanity in the Rust yeah. household.
3: It's a lot of uh, pure meltdown or I'm number one. Yeah. There is there is no yeah. in between.
5: Yeah. Because last week, it, di- it didn't go well for you, Rust. No, it did not. Um, that would be a mighty 0 for 3 oh, on no! the weekend.
1: We suck again.
5: It's okay, though. Yeah. It's okay.
3: 51%. That's what you're aiming for, Rust. 51%. Yep. Well, that was after going 3, you
2: know, the week before. Yeah. That's it's right.
3: you just got to balance out, buddy. Hey.
2: This is the life of a gambler,
5: bro. Yeah, I don't want a a gambler. (laughs) So as we look at the uh, overall standings, uh, the listeners in the catbird seat, five and four with their picks against the spread. Uh, Us three, all four and five. All of us are four and five. Um, I had faith in Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and I shouldn't have. Uh, I went over on 42. They scored a combined 26 points. It was
3: a disaster piece, and I had faith in my Raiders. Uh, to cover one and a half, and they lost by two.
5: Yeah, so... well, you should just never have faith in the in the Raiders period. But you know who's paying tickets? The mm-hmm. Detroit Lions. are. they are. They are making big-time headway with everybody. So let, without further ado, we give you the stats. Let's get to this week's picks against the spread. For the listeners, you guys can go to Danny and Dusty, at Danny and Dusty on Twitter, and you can pick... Uh, winners in these three games. Lions, minus four, hosting the Seattle Seahawks. You have the Vikings, minus two and a half, against the Saints from Jolio, London Town, the home of Tottenham Hotspur. And then you have the Rams, minus one and a half, going to Santa Clara, where they take on the San Francisco 49ers. Pick up those three games.
2: Aren't the Rams plus one and a half?
5: Um... Uh, I don't know. Danny wrote these down. Rams are plus one and a half. Rams plus one and a half Did on the road. Did
3: I have road. it wrong?
5: Yep, you have you have the Rams minus ah. one
3: and
5: a half. Uh, yeah, actually that's correct because I remember seeing that the nine. I was like, why are the Niners favorite in this game? Jimmy G, greater than Matthew Stafford. Okay, uh, let's get to it. I'll get I'll get these things started. Raher right, right now. I got the Vikings minus four hosting the Seahawks. How in the world are the Seahawks within a touchdown of anybody right now?
3: I have no idea. And, and you
5: know I, what? Detroit is a covering machine. They are four zero or three zero against the spread. Uh, and they're the
3: second highest scoring offense in the league.
5: Yes, but against the spread and on the totals, they have hit the over every single week so
3: far. Also, in my defense, the Rams Forty Nine ers it got me again. I I scrolled over the opening line at the Rams game.
5: You're struggling with that.
3: I am. The, 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 my little slider. I'm blaming. I'm blaming Chrome.
2: Don't blame anybody but yourself. Okay, it's a poor musician who blames his instrument. Uh, I'm a poor musician. <laughs> there he is. Um,
5: pick
3: number one for you. Pick number one for me. I am also Dang. taking those lions. Okay. There's just, there's just, that was the first thing I saw on the board. I we we had uh, Horvat on yesterday, and I said, "Talk me out of taking lions, no matter what the spread so is." Did not. No,
5: they're perfect. They're perfect against spread this year. Until they until they lose, change my mind. Change my mind, Mr.
2: Rust. I'm going to Thursday night football. Uh, Tua is hot this season, but outside of that one six touchdown game in the other two games, he's thrown only one touchdown. I'm just not buying him yet. And then also uh, Joe Burrow seeking to become uh, to win his sixth in a row at home with at least uh, – I'm sorry, not to win, but his sixth game in a row at home with at least 300 passing yards and two or more touchdowns. I think Joey B does it. I am taking the Bengals minus three and a half.
5: Bengals minus three and a half. All right. All right. Game number two. I have got, and Thursday Night Football is going to be great. We'll have more on Thursday Night Football because it's getting contentious, and it may be the greatest rivalry in love football.
3: It. And the
5: Bengals being, are wearing the all-whites. Oh, yeah, they showed the, the field. The Siberian Bengals. A, but a, a rivalry picture. between the Bengals and the Dolphins is like straight out of the 1980s, and I'm here for it because for the last three decades, neither one of these franchises had anything to root for. They suck. But they're back now, yeah. and I, I absolutely love this. Um, all right, my second game, I'm going and taking that game in uh, in London. Vikings minus two and a half against the Saints. Give me Minnesota. Give me Minnesota. I know Kirk Cousins, I shouldn't bet Kirk Cousins, but you know what? I'm not going to take Jameis Winston, especially since he has rib and ankle issues now. Sure. He has not practiced the last two days in London. Uh, and if you're telling me that there's going to be one guy that is distracted about being in London, it's going to be Jameis Winston. I can't uh, tell you how excited I am to hear the quotes that come out of Jameis Winston's mouth because he's in in London. They got his crab legs be, there. He's going to be like, "Can you
3: believe they drive on the other side of the road?" Or fish and chips and the chips are fries? Yeah, he's going to be blown oh, away. Did, did he's you, like, "I had it." He goes, "I, I heard him on bread." I heard him
5: calling for Bobby. And I thought they were talking about my friend from down the street when I was growing up. No, that's the cops. They call the cops Bobby here. Yeah, no, he's – I'm ready for the Jameis Winston quotes. His
3: mind is being blown left, right, and center.
5: I love him so much. Yeah,
3: no, it's going to be tremendous. Uh, speaking of tremendous, the Ravens' defense has been tremendously bad, so I'm going to take the Bills to cover with the field goal at Baltimore. Ooh. Listen, uh, I just don't think the Bills are going to stumble into the stupidity of uh, their – whatever that was and the heat in Miami – they're back to their uh, torrentially bad weather in Baltimore. Uh, it's not going to be any worse than it is in Buffalo at any given time, and I don't think you're going to get a game where Josh Allen throws for over 60 times for 400 yards and only get two touchdowns All right.
2: Rust, game number two for you. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how the Niners are one-and-a-half point favorites over the Rams either, especially with Jimmy G telling his uh, play callers that his plays suck, man. So uh, I'm taking the Rams plus one-and-a-half.
5: All right, Rams plus one and a half. My pick number three, I'm going on that Bills-Ravens game, but I'm taking the over 51. I'm going over 51 in the Bills-Ravens game. Uh, I know that uh, an emotional game down in Miami last week, but you have two offenses that have been potent this year. I like the over in that one, 51. Going with the total.
2: Mr. Rust? Oh, and for my final one, uh, the Jaguars. Got to go with my boys. Didn't realize that they have the second-best point differential in the league, trailing only the Buffalo Bills. Uh, They're at Philadelphia, who they are. We all know how well Philadelphia is playing. But I think Jacksonville can cover the 6.5. So I'm taking Jacksonville plus 6.5. I wanted to give you
3: a chance there just in case you did take your log. Because I am going to piggyback. I am taking the Jaguars to cover the 6.5. I think they can keep it within a tuddy with the Eagles, and if they do keep it within that, I think we're going to talk about the Jaguars as being a not only competitive team, but a viable playoff team, and yeah. that would be one hell of a nod a quarter of the way into the season. I heard Isaac Robb say
2: the other day, if the playoffs started right now, Jacksonville would be the two seed. Yes, sir. The playoffs do not start after three games, though. What?
5: Contrary to popular belief. queue uh, up the Mike McDaniel.
1: Oh, oh.
5: What are we even talking about?
1: What are we talking
3: about?
5: There we go. Here we go. Uh, Everybody's favorite stoner coach, Mike McDaniel. We do have Mike McDaniel news that we need to get to as well. So, all right, our picks. Uh, Danny is hedging his bets quite mightily this, this week. He's got Lions minus four against the Seahawks, as do I. He's also got Jaguars plus six and a half against the Eagles, as does Rust. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's, he's overlapping on both of those. I've got the Vikings minus two and a half over the Saints in London, Bills Ravens over 51. Danny also has Bills minus three against the Ravens uh, in Baltimore, while the Rust is going Thursday night football tonight, Bengals minus three and a half against Miami, and also likes the Rams plus one and a half at San Francisco. You can get your picks in at Danny and Dusty on Twitter. Lions minus four against the Seahawks. Vikings minus two and a half against the Saints. Or 49ers minus one and a half taking on the Rams. Get your votes in and lock it in as the listeners are five and four in picks so far this season. Coming up next, let's talk about that Thursday night football because we got a war of the words that is brewing, and it's getting salty. First is Rust with Sports Center.
3: Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Eddie O'Coo J with a Troy comeback.
0: But tonight, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. rocking my. This
1: is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080,
5: The Fan. Thursday Night Football tonight on Amazon Prime. I'm ready for it, man. I think it's going to be a Good great one. game.
3: Listen, uh, these Thursday night games have been pretty stinking good. And uh, I I, am, I have my own uh, juice on this one just because I picked the Bengals to not only go to but win the Super Bowl. And if they don't get on the rails quick, gotta this season's going to be over real soon.
5: Um, and it's we're getting a little war of the words uh, that is happening in this because I didn't even realize that there is bad blood until I remembered... Tyreek Hill and Eli Apple. Remember, last year, Tyreek Hill and Eli, Eli Apple got into it because Eli Apple had, like, one good game and decided he was going to tweet out, oh, yeah, that Chiefs cheetah pack finna hit way crazier the second time. And when the, uh, when the what is it? Bengals beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, mm-hmm. uh, Tyreek Hill did not like... Eli Apple talking smack before and then after
0: the game. Are oh, we playing on primetime that week? I didn't even know that. Amazon Prime. Are oh, we playing on Amazon Prime? Oh, that's going to be lit right there. I didn't even know that for real. But yeah, we're looking forward to the, who we play?
3: Bengals.
0: looking forward to the challenge. It's going to be fun, you know, and I can't wait to go against Eli Apple, man. I owe you, boy. I owe you. I'm here. The is here. That's it. In the town. Hey. Right.
5: He's cutting wrestling promos out there. In that in that that was immediately following the Buffalo game. You had him wearing pit vipers and a stocking cap in a locker room where it was a bajillion degrees it was 120 degrees on the field, was it? I think that's what they yeah. were they were saying during the game. Um, and the, so after that he's in there cutting wrestling promos, not even knowing that they play on a Thursday night or that it was on Amazon Prime. But right when they say, he goes, who are we playing? They say Cincinnati. He knew exactly who he had circled on that. Yeah, team. no. He, and it he, was Eli
3: Apple. Yeah, he danced around. And let's be honest, um, every starting wide receiver in the NFL, if they have uh, Eli Apple on their schedule, they're they're circling him, mostly because he has just been cooked, fried, flambéed, roasted, baked, rotisserie. However you want to describe it, Eli Apple has been served up. And mm-hmm. he had one semi-decent game.
5: Y- yeah, Well, both of the games actually, regular season and the playoff game, but you you can't you can't sit there and start tooting your own horn after two games. And now, especially with him, you're gonna have. But this is what happens, and Apple knows this. He's been suspiciously silent this week. Mm. Okay, but Jesse Bates, their safety in Cincinnati. This is where the help comes in and the reinforcements have got us back.
2: I don't know if Eli got him tickets to the Super Bowl last year or not, but I think that's probably why he was a little upset. Somebody come after Eli, come after all of us. A Bengals-Dolphins
5: game has not mattered since Boomer Esiason and Dan Marino were quarterbacking these two respective franchises. Which, we get it now.
3: It, it, listen, I, I I am firmly embedded in Team Trash Talk and Team Rivalries and Team Hate Hard. I want all of this. I'm so tired and done with the buddy-buddy era of professional sports. Uh, Give me, again, give me the hate-filled hearts, black, empty souls, step on everything they believe in, talk all the junk on and off the field. I live for this stuff. Give it to me. Feed into the drama. And not even just like the the off-the-field or off-season drama. This feeds directly into the game because you know what I'm watching on every single snap? To see if Tyreek Hill gets one of those whoop releases, and even if Tua doesn't see him or doesn't find him, if Tyreek's given him one of those head nods, like "Yep, I'm coming for you all night long." You better not miss that jam.
5: I have got the Bengals by a billion. Oh, points. Oh yeah, no, right now. I just I retweeted have got it. a Bengals <laughs> by a billion points. They just tweeted out a video of Joe Burrow walking into the stadium. And They're going to be wearing their oh, that flower suit. They are going to be wearing their white helmets. They're wearing Siberian Bang- Siberian Tiger uniforms tonight. And Joe Burrow walked into the stadium wearing a black suit that has massive
3: white roses on it. He looks absolutely... it mean... Joe Burrow is the swaggiest quarterback in the NFL, and it's not close.
5: You know, everybody says he looks like Macaulay Culkin. But no, he doesn't. He actually looks like Kieran Culkin from Succession. Like... He looks like Macaulay Culkin all grown up with money and Hmm. a little bit weird. Had you watched Succession at all? Yeah. He looks like Kieran 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 Culkin is trying to uh, make a statement with his wardrobe because he's got a lot of money and he spends it on, on high fashion that doesn't really make sense. I'm picking up what Joe Burrow's putting down. There's no way that that's what Tua wore into the stadium. Absolutely, and know Tua could rock that too. I and mean, Tua
3: can, and he's from my you know playing for Miami. You're allowed yeah. to be incredibly swaggy, but no, Joe Burrow has had this. He has got the Joe cool. Yeah, he the, the, the Willie Joe Namath like he is. He has got every bit of it. I mean, he came out in what though, was it was it was it at LSU or was that year two in the NFL where he had the, the fur coat. Uh, he had the Joe name. Of, he had the fir, he rocked I think the fur coat. That was in the NFL. Yeah, I he, think so he did rock the fur coat before a game. And I think he went out and threw for like three ninety and four touchdowns. So that's awesome. The guy is he leans into it a while it's he's interesting. He he's definitely a code switcher in the sense of like you flip him on for uh, his national media spot or whatever. It's oh it's on to the next opponent, but then you get him in the you know the locker room videos and stuff like that, and you see him. Well, he's got different.
5: swag, but he's not a he's not a distraction. No, and he
3: he walks that line brilliantly.
5: Yeah, and you gotta you have to do that, especially
3: as a quarterback. Man,
5: he's in it, but what is shoes is he wearing? It looks like he's wearing like Air Monarchs or something. Uh, anywho, uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals take on the Miami Dolphins tonight, Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. Are, are we watching on Amazon Prime? Like we'll, we'll do an informal poll here five zero three two five zero ten eighty. Do you watch on Amazon Prime? Uh, Because week one, numbers were through the roof. Mm -hmm. Week two, your game wasn't as good. It took a big dip. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Dolphins-Bengals does it for people uh, tonight on Amazon Prime.
3: I will distort the poll a little bit here and say I will 1,000% be watching this game.
5: Danny and Dusty on the fan. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app, and 1080, the fan. 503-250-1080, that's the fan text. And a lot of folks uh, chiming in on whether or not they're watching on the Amazon broadcast. And I, I really do think it's interesting. One thing, like this text says, way more likely to watch it on Amazon because I can easily get it on my phone. Ooh, I swear. That's smart. I am going to I, I I want somebody to answer this. Why have a mobile app that sucks? If like you NFL cannot games? leave no, if oh. you cannot leave your home with it. Like I I was at my daughter's soccer game and on Saturday and you go to watch something it's like, "Oh, Due to, oh
3: know, the blah, 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 Yeah, yeah.
5: You right. have to be on your in-home Wi-Fi. Yeah. So then I had to go to the Fox Sports app, then go to fo- open up the Fox Sports app, enter all my stuff in for Xfinity. Yes. To, to, get watch, the the or- no, to watch the Oregon and Washington State oh. game because I was like right at the very beginning of that was when her game was ending. Mm. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, so wait a minute. I can watch it via the Fox Sports app by logging in with my Xfinity credentials, uh-huh. but I cannot just watch it on the Xfinity app that I'm already logged into.
3: That it doesn't make any sense. The, the, so stupid. The all, I think a lot of that stuff has to do with the broadcast rights being like the, those the the internet dispersal rights. I believe those contracts are pretty antiquated, <sighs> as, as far as like when that because a lot of those went out for a long time. The first streaming contracts were like eight to ten years because nobody knew what they were going to be, and so they wanted long-term control in case things did take off, that they would be able to recoup the front end of stuff. And so you still have, like, these situations that force you to go through X amount of hoops. And and we're going to have the same problems uh, in the NBA preseason when you're trying to watch uh, the Blazers on league pass.
5: Well, um, yeah, you can only watch the games on Prime right now. And I don't know what it is. I wish – I. I need to talk to, like, engineers about why the picture quality is so good on Apple TV and the Amazon Prime. Like, the picture quality they're, is incredible. They're
3: delivering incredible. true, what is it, 14-whatever, yeah, uh, and, and it's down scaled. It, that, that's what it is. It's it's uh, Their codec that they're using is, is uh, in native above 1080.
5: Yeah, whatever it is, it's beautiful, and mm-hmm. it looks great. Uh, the sounds are a little weird on them, but... Whatever, I, I'm okay. Like, they're, they're still working out some kinks on that, but I really enjoy the prime broadcast. I'm, I'm here for it. Well, it's, it's phenomenal.
3: It's, it's, it's quite literally best in class, and it's in week three's, week three of its existence.
5: Let's get it. Thursday Night Football Tonight. Um, I can't wait. I'm here for it all. I'm here for it all. If you missed our interviews today, we actually had two really good interviews. Matt Preem joined us, uh, 24-7 Sports Duck Territory. We talked about the Oregon Ducks in and, and the start of this season and kind of how everything's come to fruition. It's really interesting that he brought up a point that I, I've, it's kind of stuck with me throughout the show in that the offense being so far ahead of the defense when we thought that the defense would be there. Mm-hmm. But as like, I've just been thinking about it more and more, it really has been the questions that we had on offense have all been answered. They've all, they've all been answered individually from position group to position group, right? Whereas defense, it is still still that massive question mark of who is your corner opposite Christian Gonzalez? Who's
3: your pass rusher? Who
5: is your pass rusher? But, I mean, the one thing that Oregon has done really well, their run defense has been stout. They have been really good Mm -hmm. against the run this year. But it is, that was a massive question. You have two massive questions heading into this year that have remained unanswered. Pass rusher who's the opposite corner of Christian Gonzalez still trying to figure that out. And we're entering week five on the offensive side of the ball. Troy Franklin is the go-to guy. Mm-hmm. Terrence Ferguson is the safety blanket. Bo Nixon, his roller coasters have been mitigated.
3: They're flattening to yeah, they're, an extent. They're, they're, they're not really roller coasters as much as they are just, uh, treks. And
5: your offensive line is good. And the running back room is sorting itself out. I mean, it's Bucky Irving, it's Noah Whittington and Jordan James is the rotation as it stands right now. And Cardwell and with
3: his injuries is really just I, he may be on the outside looking in when he comes back.
5: So we had that interview uh with Preem. That's up at 1080thefan.com or in the Odyssey app. And then we talked with Josh Furlong from KSL.com here uh in this hour at the beginning of this hour, and we talked a little Utah Ute says the beeves are getting ready for an eleven AM kick. Uh Utah is a football team that they always come October are one of the best teams in college football, and this year they're peaking again, right when October turns. Isaac Everett Ropp has entered the building, and he's just in this office staring at us what, right what now. What
3: you got in the mug? Coffee. He's
5: drinking his coffee, at his daily coffee.
3: Three o'clock coffee, huh? All right. Yeah.
5: That's how he rolls. He's an old man. Yeah. The, the olds crack. The olds have got to get their coffee. He's ready. He's ready to eat dinner when they start the Hot Five <laughs> at Five, for God's sakes.
3: That, that guy – Got to get out of here with That early bird special.
5: Yeah, that guy is really – he's amping this thing up right now. <laughs> right now, it's akin – his 3 p.m. coffee is akin to, like, the college kid who at 10 p.m. drinks, like, his uh, – his monster energy drink and
2: vodka before they go out and party. This,
3: this is adult pregame. This is, this is how rap
2: pregame. This, is, is, this is living right here. Yeah, yeah. That's just the college kids that do that. It's definitely not 46 year olds.
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, Russ. I'm, I'm, when's I'm, the
5: last I'm, time you had the monster in vodka at 10 PM to get you through a night?
2: Uh, probably not quite as long as you think <laughs> it's,
5: Sometimes you got to do it. You now, know? now, Rob is, is bringing research into uh, the equation here. Somebody's got to. Um, he, he will inform you all of his coffee and why it's helping elongate his life and other things <laughs> at the top of the hour. That does, does it for us today. We'll be back. Football Friday edition of Danny and Dusty from noon to 3. Up next, you got prime time with Isaac and Sue.
3: Bye
2: you're just basically raw dogging that thing
0: and i think we're going to do it for family we really need new phones T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month New iPhone 15s it's over here. only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch <laughs>